Hello and welcome to episode 85. This is Anthony Malikian, U.S. Editor of Waters, and I'm here as always with uh, News Editor of Waters, James Rundle. Hey, everyone. And let's give a warm round of applause for Dan Francesco, who is here. Oh, no, no. Oh, man, Dan can make it. Dan could not make it. For a change. Could not make it. He decided that he's got to do some work on <sighs> risk. Whatever. That's Even what happens. His entire beat is currently underwater. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. So, um, so right now we have uh, slow. Wor- it's the end of the. It's the end of the summer. Yep. Monday in uh, London was a bank holiday. Monday for us coming up uh, here in the US is uh, uh, Labor Day. I swear to God, I'm going to forget about that. Get into work. I think, Why is no one here? And then just go, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so. We're going to go and uh, take it easy today. We, we have one new story that uh, James and I wrote that we're going to get into on cybersecurity. And uh, I do encourage you all, uh, we put up a post today about um, how T plus 2 came together. Uh, Amelia David uh, wrote a, a very good feature, interesting feature, um, about these last basically two decades as the U.S. has looked to get toward T plus 2. Yeah. Um, so we encourage you to give a read on that. That goes into effect on Tuesday. Yeah, September the 5th. It's a, it's a smart piece. You should definitely read it. We'll have a couple of follow-up pieces as well. Exactly. The the week. And then we'll bring me on um, next week onto the podcast to kind of get deeper into discussion. And then going forward in September and stuff, we got some uh, exciting guests that we're trying to uh, line up for you all, uh, since you're probably tired of hearing from Jim and I talking all the time. <laughs> Um, but first, uh, and then we're going to get into our PRs, do's and don'ts, part three, which is a shame that Dan couldn't be here because is that part is, three, is part three. Oh, yeah, we've done right. two. Okay. Basically, every 30 or so episodes, we're kind of like, got nothing. Let's just got to get that filler yeah, in, Exactly. <laughs> so it works this time because you haven't heard from James yet. Um, but before we get to that, um, on Tuesday, the first big deadline of... Um, the New York State uh, Department of Financial Services, uh, their cybersecurity regulation went into effect, um, where you where firms that are registered uh, regulated entities for this um, for this rule had to be in compliance. Um, and that's anybody who has a banking license or is subject to the uh, financial services law, like pretty much anybody dealing in all areas of finance, right? Sure. It's all like, uh, so many investment advisors, hedge funds, stuff like that, they're going to be covered underneath the SEC. And as best I can tell, I don't believe that they are, even if they have a New York office. Yeah, there, um, there are various exemptions. I think if your revenue yeah. is less than a certain number, if you have less than a certain number of employees, then you don't have exactly. to. Exactly. You, you still have to apply for an exemption, I think. But, sure. Um, so that went into effect. Uh, Jim and I, you know, we had to show the kids how to, how it's done. We teamed up on a, we teamed up on a. Uh, on a it literally, post. the most minimal fuss, big story I've worked on in a long time. Like, yeah, it was just post. like, <laughs> what are we going to work on today? We just had the news meeting in the morning. It's like, oh, well, this just this deadline just hit. Should we write something about that? Okay. And it's like, okay, you reach out to two. I'll reach out to two. Okay. All right. Bada bing, bada 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 boom. Boom. You know, that's it. So uh, we got some uh, feedback from industry uh, um, participants. For you, um, what was maybe some of the more interesting takeaways that you thought? Um, I mean, in a general sense, I guess uh, people were kind of saying that you know that this isn't anything necessarily new. It's kind of best practice in a lot of ways. One guy um, who who used to work in law enforcement now advises banks on cybersecurity said it's like. Uh, 
making sure your front and back doors are locked when you're upstairs, essentially. Yeah. Um, nothing about it's going to prevent cyber attacks, but it's kind of, you know, have this in place to do it. I think a couple of the interesting uh, corollaries from the conversations I did have, though, um, one with a company called Cordium, uh, where they kind of highlighted the fact that the regulation requires you have a competent person like a CISO or CISO in place. Um, and they said that uh, the t- trend has really been to kind of elevate IT people to that role. Um, rather, I mean, for a number of reasons. Number one, because talent in the cybersecurity space is relatively thin at that senior level, I guess. I mean, mm-hmm. there are a lot of people who work in pen testing, a lot of analysts, but having that kind of executive level is actually quite rare. Um, two, because of resources. Uh, and, but there are a number of problems with it um, that people pointed out. Number one, I guess, being the conflict of interest that's potentially inherent in having someone from IT become the information security officer, but still answering to IT. So um, a lot of these audits you have to do as part of the regulation, there might be some pressure from senior levels of technology management to make the results look better than they perhaps are. Um, But secondly, and and perhaps more interestingly, I guess, um, people said that when you have these hardcore IT people who are very good at their jobs and they know cybersecurity from a technical perspective and everything else get elevated to that infosec role, it's not just technology. Like you need to have some kind of risk management now about you too. And generally, hardcore tech people aren't that kind of well versed on the business risk side of things. So, prioritizing kind of what controls are in place and what measures need to be taken um, might be done from a pure tech perspective without necessarily understanding how it impacts different parts of the business and what you should actually be prioritizing. Sure. I thought that was an interesting anecdote. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, I guess the, the the biggest takeaway was, as you said these rules aren't going to stop cyber attacks. Yeah. There is nothing there. Um, but I think that what you saw um, with the, H- for example, the HBO hack of Game of Thrones and of Curb Your Enthusiasm, I think a few other uh, shows also, and the one cry shutting down um, the NHS was they just didn't follow best practices. Um, yeah. And that's what kind of led to those hacks. What cry was... If you had your uh, systems updated, you shouldn't have been affected by that. Um, the, the carelessness on HBO's part, with uh, but or by a third party, I think it was, um, with uh, with 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 those files, that's on them and their encryption. Um, Interesting though, in the DFS regulation, there was a big section on third parties and having yeah. like managing what access they have to confidential files and what have you. Yeah. Excuse me. <coughs> Live TV. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, but also, you know, just kind of going through it, no one really knows what these fines are going to be. No one really knows, you know, no. they're, they're going to have to get a scalp early if people are going to really take this uh, truly. Well, I mean, um, you say that, but I mean, the DFS has been super aggressive over the last couple of years, and that's what one of the guys from Cordium said to me. He's like, you know, when you talk about things like GDPR, um, it's very much defined early on what you'll be fined if you breach this. I think it's like yeah. 4% of, yeah, like, it's, it's a huge number so, yeah. or something. Um, DFS hasn't, but if you look at their enforcement actions over the last couple of years, they've extracted big fines from banks for things like money laundering, mm-hmm. um, for, I think, the FX uh, uh, cabal scandal, the, the sure. rent scandal as well. Um, Wouldn't you agree, though, that those are, those are, for a regulator, easily understandable, as opposed to something like cybersecurity and what they're saying? It, you know, Reading through, the, it's about 15 pages or so of, of this section of this regulation, you know, it, it just kind of seems more of a best practicing, and you know, I, there was nothing that really jumped out at me. You know, yeah, CISO and stuff like that is a complicated role, but 
at, at the end of the day, you just name somebody CISO, and that's my CISO. And right, exactly. Hopefully, yeah, yeah. he she does not screw up. Um, so that's kind of the feeling I got from there, that there was nothing here that said, all right, here is a very defined metric that we have to show that our penetration testing has to be, the threshold has to be held below X, Y, Z. I wouldn't even know the intelligent way of saying yeah, that, yeah. obviously. Um, but that's kind of the takeaway, guys. As long as you can basically show that these things are in place, that you yeah, have processes. That you're doing something about yeah. it, essentially. Um, and I don't think it has to go as far as like red team, blue team simulations mm-hmm. and that kind of thing and, and tabletop discussions. But um, yeah, I think that, but then I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if there is a massive customer data leak or something on the lines of like a JP Morgan hack or a City hack or something sure. like that, that the, uh, the regulator doesn't turn around and just go, you know what, guys? Uh, I mean, enforcement and regulation is two basic priorities. You protect the system, protect consumers. That's the two kind of basic planks of regulation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if a cyber hack does something like leak customer credit card details or something, they might turn around and go, well, got to pay the price, man. So, yeah. you know, here's a multi-million dollar fine from the DFS, uh, along with whatever the SEC and the uh, and the uh, control of the currency decides to levy on you as well on the sure. Federal Reserve. So, um, my... Reading of this is that, and also um, an interesting point is that they put a lot of personal responsibility on the CISO. Mm-hmm. So every year they have to do a self certification saying that, yeah, we are in compliance, here's our kind of audits. Uh, they have to report incidents within 72 hours to the superintendent. Um, that has to be personally signed by the CISO. So yeah. you do wonder if maybe there might be some personal liability involved if that turns out to be a breach and they said, well, you attested to it. Were you lying to us? You know. Well, to your point though, or to the point is this. There isn't anything strictly it's said in there, so they're going to have a tough time with any kind of legal enforcement, I think, on that. No? Yeah, I think it's, they have the ability to do it, right? Yeah. And at the very least, it might become difficult when it comes to renewing their licenses in the state of New York, uh, okay. at the very least. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, I don't know the exact uh, jurisdictional powers and the the uh, the penalties they can impose, but I'm pretty sure the DFS has the ability to impose yeah. fines to which it sees fit. Yeah. So. I mean, the other thing is just, like, when you make it self-certification, you know, just check two boxes. Yeah. I adhere to this, I adhere to this. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. You know, the one thing I think, and uh, so uh, one hedge fund uh, CISO uh, told me uh, that that this is a harbinger and gives us some insight on where we could see uh, legislation going as a mix of these rules will lead to best practice going forward. Well, and, that's an and I think that that's point. probably more, or I guess for me. You know, you look at the NIST, NIST, um, you look at uh, GDPR, as you mentioned before, you look at this, everything's kind of flowing in a similar direction here mm-hmm. um, with little nuances here and there, but it does seem like the uh, two of one of uh, your sources said that, you know, oh, well, finally, you know, some people say, oh, why didn't the government get involved in regulating this stuff? Well, now they are. And whether yeah. for good or bad, there is good. this is the opening salvos for sure. And it's not just New York either. I think uh, North Dakota has some pretty strict rules of all places, Colorado, <laughs> uh, Massachusetts <laughs> as well. So there is, um, one of my guys said to me, actually, um, one of the few areas, if not the only area of regulation that's expected to grow under this administration is probably going to be cybersecurity. I mean, it's yeah. not going to slow down. Um, you talk about deregulation in some areas, fine, like the Volcker rule and everything else, but cybersecurity, there's been more. I think, like, two, I think that two of Trump's main cybersecurity experts left uh, just recently <laughs> also. So it'll be certainly something that we're going to be keeping an eye out for uh, going forward. The next big deadline is going to be uh, February 2018. I don't remember the exact date. It's in the story. Um, I think. Yeah, that's the, uh, the self-certification, right? So that, yeah, so then you have to be, uh, you have to, on or before that date, uh, you have to have uh, self-certified and... Uh, 
Yeah, so I think everybody will probably push up to the last day and they'll forget about it. In the middle. As they always do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and as far as business notes and everything like that, obviously with everything that's going on in Houston, and uh, I was talking with Wei Shen, they had another typhoon out there. Really? Yeah. yeah. Um, it hit again. Uh, she was actually out in the water the day before um, on a boat, and then uh, they got one the very next day. Wow. Um, so... Dan DeFrancesco, as we were talking about Dan before, he now covers commodities, obviously. You know, as you mentioned, that commodities is, Houston is the world of commodities here in the U.S., yeah, for yeah. sure. I don't know what it looks like anywhere else. I don't know, really know much of anything. Energy is yeah. Uh, Houston. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't really know anything about that mm-hmm. sector. I don't really know anything about anything. Um, <laughs> but you should uh, go check out Dan's uh, been working on uh, some pieces uh, that have been uh, slowly going up. Um, if you care about the implications, obviously there are much bigger concerns out there. But if you do care about the implications um, in our business world, uh, he's got some good stuff. And you all yeah. know Danny, and he's a friend of the show. So. Yes, I've been told to refrain from calling him a dickhead as well. So I'm I mean, sure. yeah, I mean, he is, but you know, it's just uh... <laughs> it's a very big sports day tomorrow. So, so. yeah, exactly. Um, all right, so part three, do's and don'ts for PRs. Do's and don'ts. I mean, I always get kind of, uh, I guess, a bit self-conscious about doing this. There's a great Twitter account called Smug Journo. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, sure. we always <laughs> acknowledge that, that we are, like, it is great that we're going to be the, the be-all, end-all, holy deciders of what a PR person should right, and should not Right, exactly, do. yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's absurd. I mean, these are probably just personal preferences, but... And I guess it's useful to do it now that we've got a bit of a revamp new sections and the way we're covering stuff is slightly different, so that kind of sure. changes what we expect from our colleagues in the PR industry as well. Um, for for those that don't know, um, uh, when James joined our staff, James had a ton of experience, so he was obviously on Waters uh, long ago, um, went over to Dow Jones, Wall Street Journal, uh, financial news work for them, um, and uh, then was at risk for a little while before he came over here. He basically we didn't talk about those nine months. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> basically, uh, he joined here uh, in an even senior role than we've had before. We haven't had it before, but he's now the news editor, and his job is to be the traffic cop um, day in and day out of which news stories are going up online, which ones need more coverage and stuff like that, and just working with the individual journalists. Definitely not me. I, I told him right from day one, I go, you, you send me back any freaking edits. It better just be with a big smiley face, say this is wonderful. Um, but so oh, that kind of... Change, you know, <laughs> leaving the headline for me to write and the deck yeah, exactly. and else. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm lazy. Uh, so, so it's changed our new structure a little bit. So yeah. why don't you get into a little bit more of what you maybe expect, since they've heard from me twice now in this yeah. subject. So, yeah, I mean, it's not a radical change. It's just... Um, what we're trying to do, I think, with waterstechnology.com um, is just try to be a bit more in-depth, um, a little bit more aggressive in terms of our coverage, and um, and certainly a bit more reactive as well. Um, so what I'm saying to everyone now is, you're going to cover a story, fine, but you've got to go and talk to people about it, you've got to sort of, you know, get some response from these companies putting out press releases, as you would expect from a this thing. Um, it's been pretty good, the reporters have done well. Some of our, as I said, colleagues in PR have maybe been taken a bit aback by it, haven't been used to the way we're doing things now. So, uh, yeah, some PR do's and don'ts, I guess, that I had. Um, were, we're not going to agree on everything. Jim, Jim on sent me over his list, and I did not agree with everything. So. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the first thing, I guess, is, uh, and again, this is just me personally, but um, 
and I guess I think I'm different from a lot of reporters in this, but I prefer to be called rather than emailed um, because I'm really bad at responding to emails. I know that you prefer to be emailed. And I'm really bad at responding to emails too, but I don't care. I, don't care. I get infuriated <laughs> when I get called out of the blue for, I have this PR pitch that I would like to tell you about. Well, send me the email and I'll take a look. And, take a look and if you haven't heard from me, probably didn't yeah, yeah. care much for your email pitch. <laughs> and yeah, again, just to caveat that, if you're going to call me, then pitch me something relevant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, we are doing these a little bit differently. Um, if you're going to send us through a press release and we decide to cover it, it would be useful if you have someone who can talk to us on the day. I mean, I can't begin to tell you the amount of times I get reports pitching stories to me and then turning around to me at lunchtime and going, oh yeah, they can't speak to us until Friday and it's Monday. And we're just not going to cover it. It's so, like if you're yeah. a company and you're putting out a press release. Yeah. And I understand that, especially for the um, external PR uh, companies, the agencies, that they don't have much control over this. But no, you're no. putting out a press release. Yeah. You know the date's going out. Have somebody available to talk. And granted, if, you know, or just say to us, be like, listen, he's already talked to the Wall Street Journal, Reuters, and everything like that. They don't really, you know, he's tired and he doesn't want to talk to Waters today. Yeah. I will understand, but, you know, it drives me up a wall yeah, when well, it's like, here's a press release. Mark your name in that black book we keep. Oh, yeah. That's uh, yeah, fine. You know, you can talk to the Journal. <laughs> just not Waters. <laughs> um, a couple of, like, I guess, changes as well outside of that in terms of what we cover. Um... So I think in the past we've been happy to run survey stories and that kind of thing, uh, implementation stories. We're not doing so many of them anymore. Um, so we're not doing stories based on surveys that are published by vendors, particularly those who are, say, I'm pulling this out of my... Um, what's, what's the polite phrase? But that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so this is in, in reference to any company, but say you're a surveillance vendor and you put out a survey saying that only 20% of people have surveillance programs in place. We're not going to do a story off that. I mean, it's come on. It's your job to sell surveillance. Or the well. old, shockingly enough, nobody's prepared for MIFID Nobody's prepared for MIFID too. we can help. Funnily enough, we have a consultancy <laughs> where we can help you get prepared. Yeah, we're not going to do it, right? Um, and implementation stories, they're great. They've always been what is kind of bread and butter. We like hearing about how buy-side firms are implementing um, this new OMS or IMS or system, whatever. But if you can't put us in touch with the end user, we're not going to cover it. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Um... I think it's worth mentioning because we've had a few queries about this over the last few months about the podcast as well. Um, most people know this, but we don't allow vendors on the podcast yeah. or consultants unless it's. It like, would have to be something really, really like a big yeah. merger maybe yeah. happened. That yeah, maybe Reuters or something, you know, that kind of thing. It's, um, it's, it had to be some big. Also, I, I got to throw in a comment here. This is, for those that don't know, this is for Waters the magazine. This is for sell side technology, buy side technology yeah. on the Waters technology site. IMD, so inside market data, inside reference data, inside data management. Those are run through Max Bowie. They're a little bit different. They have a little bit different. So they have their own doing things, yeah. This is this just for TBST and water yes. technology, yeah. Um, another thing, because we are operating on tighter deadlines, um, there is nothing more infuriating and that is more guaranteed to make us not want to work with you again than promising you can get us someone to talk to or comment through by a certain time and then just not delivering it. Um, you know, just be honest about it. If you can't get someone to talk, just tell us that and then we can go ahead. Um, I hate holding back copy for the sake of one quote from someone that's not going to come. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, a few kind of ropey conversations I might have had with a few PRs about running stories and not running stories. Um, look, if you think we've covered something wrong or we've made an error or you're not happy with something, then I'm more than happy to have a conversation about it with you. But at the end of the day, I am news editor, and it's my decision whether something runs or whether it doesn't. So phoning me up and raising your voice at me about how I'm not covering your client's amazing new release of the Tony's, this you know, product that's going to revolutionise the industry. 
Um, that's not going to get you very far. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't want to rag on you guys too hard who are listening. On this, I mean, that's the whole uh, point. It's just to beat them with a stick, and then exactly. Uh, a few tips, though. I mean, um, <laughs> photographs. I mean, I could literally die happy if I never have to send another email going, thanks for sending this through, it's 14 KB in size, and we can't even print it on a dot, like, about the size of a P. Yeah. Like anything else. So, you know, high-res images, guys, you know the score. We go through this little dance every single time. Yeah. Just get high-res images, guy. Um, especially for new hire stories as well. Um, Coit checks. This is the big one, which we've run into problems with over the last few months. Um, so, I blame the mainstream media for the the fact that we even have to go down and show well, because I, once the New York Times started giving in on this, once the Wall Street Journal, Guardian, stuff like that, everybody started going down this path. Well, the Journal doesn't. We actually, well, when I was working at Dow Jones, we had a policy of no quote checks. We run through things on the phone, but we never email them mm-hmm. over. Um, apparently, it started in Germany, and this is where it all comes from. With German media and German industry are very close together. Damn Germans! Um, but it's now spread and it's infected every single like industry, whether it's entertainment, whether it's politics, whether it's uh, finance or technology, you know, the, the, the single most hated aspect of modern journalism in any newsroom I've worked in, um, and simultaneously, I guess, the best thing for PRs as well, mm-hmm. but like, uh, um, there seems to be some kind of confusion about them, um, reporters seem to have their own kind of limits of what they will and what now. My personal policy is that if we provide quote checks, they're as a courtesy, they're not an excuse to wholesale rewrite quotes and there's nothing more frustrating than when we send over a bunch of quotes to people you come back and you've got two paragraphs out of like you know six that you sent over and they've yeah. just struck it out and gone nope not doing that well I think there's an important definition if I I will from time to time agree to a quote check for accuracy purposes yep. I can't remember the last time if I have ever a quote approval where let's have a con- sometimes you will have a conversation on background and I kind of see where it goes, and we agreed to those kind of um, stipulation beforehand, and this would be for a big client. If it's a vendor, I'm like, yeah, good. I'm not just not going to talk to you about it. Um, but yeah, so there's a difference there between just because I send you over quotes for accuracy purposes, you send them back thinking, oh, well, here, here are the changes I made. Well, congratulations, I didn't give you quote approval. Is it still accurate? Is there, is there anything that was inaccurate? You didn't like the way he said it or she said it? Well, that's on you. That's the problem as well. It's not just bitching from journalists about it, but it makes your clients lazy as well. And a guy from the London Stock Exchange told me this once. He no longer works there. Um, I don't know if they're too related, but um, <laughs> uh, I know they won't. If you're listening, you're probably not. Um, but he said, uh, you know, whenever he put his people in front of reporters, he always told them not doing quote checks because it made them think about what they were saying. It made them get better answers and it made them sort of not get sloppy if you think, well, I can say whatever I want and then we just cross it out afterwards. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's a really interesting, a really key point you raised. Uh, is we never allow quote approval. Yeah. Uh, and I've told everyone this. Um, we're allowing quote checks for factual accuracy purposes, never quote approval. And we reserve the right to run stuff if you're just going to cross it out because that's not how this works. Don't put people in front of journalists if you can't trust them to speak in front of journalists, essentially. Sure. Um, and just, I mean, so people aren't surprised, and a lot of the arguments have been about this. I don't give quotes to quote checks to vendors, to exchanges, to politicians, regulators, or consultants, and certainly not to spokespeople. I have actually had a spokesperson once give me a comment over the phone in response to a story, and they go, Oh, can you send that over for a quote check? Well, no. <laughs> it's your job to speak for the company. I've literally had people <laughs> have like an email response to something, no. and I'm like, Can we get a quote check? It's like, You're blowing my mind right now because you literally just wrote it to me. This is the problem though because it's become so automatic and reflexive now that people assume that you'll give quote checks. And look, we're not going to do it as much anymore, unfortunately. If there were the 
there are instances where I think the rules can be bent slightly. Like if someone's first language isn't English and they're not completely comfortable with it, yeah. might agree to it then. If it's a particularly I think if you're any responsible so. journalist, like some journalists like to play like this kind of gotcha kind of game, I guess. But you know, for me, I want to make sure I I have something right because sometimes I'll you know be yeah. on the recording or something like that. And I'm not right. So is this correct? Is this exactly. you know? Yeah. And and because if I am going to put your name in quotes. There's a responsibility on me, the journalist, to make sure that that quote is correct. Yeah. You know, we're not doing the old gate to lease where I'm getting the gist of uh, the quote to make it sound good. You know, that's... Uh, exactly, yeah. And that's the thing. You have to trust us to be responsible reporters. You and me have been working for over a decade in this industry. You know, we still have jobs. We can't be terrible at our jobs as a result. Yeah. Um, it's amazing that I have a job. <laughs> I'm quite staggered every time I come to my key card works again, actually. But, um, yeah, um... If there's something we're clear about, we'll come back to you. But there has to be an element of trust in this as well. You know, we know what we're doing. We're trusting your guys to know what they're talking about. So, a bit of give and take on it. Um, and then finally, I guess, um, just, well, two more things, I think, for the do's and don'ts of PRs. As a tip to rookie PRs, if you send me through a full press release describing exactly what's going to be released the next day, and at the top you write, embargoed for Tuesday, 7 a.m., and you haven't spoken to me about that first, it's not embargoed, guys. <laughs> like, the guys at the Journal and the New York Times and Bloomberg will tell you the same thing. Like, I mean, come on. If you want something to be embargoed, phone me up first and say, I've got this release under embargo, can I send it over to you if you agree to it? And I'll say, yeah, sure, you know, no problem. Not useful at 3.30 the day before when it's going live at 7 a.m. as well. Yeah. But, um, and then finally, um, just I guess related to the quote joke thing, um, one of the things that always runs into problems is the... the uh, the conditions on which we're doing interviews with people. Um, so for me, this is kind of my golden record of what it means so people aren't confused. On the record means we can report everything verbatim and it can be attributed. On background means we can use the quotes without attribution. Off the record means we can't use the quotes, but we can use the information to go and query other sources. Deep background means it's just for our information alone. And I feel like a lot of PRs get those terms mixed up and they interchange them frequently, sometimes deliberately to trick up the reporter, I think. But, you know, sure. um, that's the kind of thing that, for my do's and don'ts, that I just want to be clear about. So hopefully you found that useful. Um, feel free to give me a call if you think it's... Uh, what a stuck-up little tit that gym is, let me well, tell I you. Well, I expect <laughs> the smug journey after you name Smug Rundle. And uh, yeah. <laughs> even there, so, yeah. I just uh, I had some funny stories, so I, everybody knows my feelings on most of these things anyway. Um, and I am very smug, and just, you know, when, when you know, big big old fish in a small small little pond here. I mean, course, you know, yeah. you get to be as smug as you like. Busting out the size of the fish tank. Exactly. Uh, I had a funny one just this week uh, where somebody said they wanted to set up an interview with dealing with technology. <laughs> I bet you there are a lot of PR people who have no idea what dealing with technology is. It is. A, when I started working here, there was a publication. It, it became Cell Side Technology. Um, it was called Dealing with Technology. It was like a um, it was a small newsletter kind. Of, it was like it's about eight pages long, kind of like what IMD used to be. Um, I don't know what you what that uh, term is uh, for that kind of publication. What was that? Um, and yeah, that hasn't existed for about eight, nine years now. We got rid of that, you know, change over to cell side technology became that. Stop I was like using that media database, guys. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> do a little bit of research. You know, just a little bit of research. Because I don't know, you, you can't even really type in my name and deal with technology and find anything that would give you any sort of contact information. Yeah. Um, I had another one just recently. Uh, I interviewed somebody and then the PR person goes, were you able to use anything from that interview? I go, 
you know, if you just go to our website, you'll notice that there's a store here. Now, maybe you don't have a subscription to it. Fair <laughs> enough. And that's uh, on you. But, uh, yeah, I, I was able to use something. Read the story and uh, you'll see what I used. Yeah, it's not my job. I'm not, I, I don't do PR for your guy. You know, that's not what I, I do. I thought that was that job. Yeah, like that's, clips. you know, yeah, it's your kind of job. <laughs> Uh, that's the other thing is just that, you know, we're very hard on, yes, I know that our subscription is very pricey and mm. fair enough, you know. Um, that's something that Jim and I have no control over. You can have a conversation with the power of B, with the powers that be if they'll hear you. Good luck. But um, it's, it is what it is. And yeah, look, I mean, hopefully the stuff we're putting out these days justifies that, I think, in terms of yes. you can't get this information elsewhere. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. these stories are, you know, they are exclusive proprietary and, uh yeah, you know, we've seen a lot of our competitors that no longer exist anymore or exist in a shell form of what they used to be. And that's because they gave away content for free, and you just can't do that anymore. And uh, there aren't a lot of uh, publications that cover you know financial technology in the capital market space for institutional. And it's a very small audience. Um, but these are audience that, you know, we are b 2 B publication, so these are customers that make a lot of money. If you're going to be an agency PR, you're going to have to pay. That's just, you know, that's, if you want to play with the big boys, you know, if you're going to want to go out there uh, with the other agency PRs, you're going to have to be able to, and I know it's frustrating, but there's not a lot I can do about that. And, um, well, there's nothing we can do about it, yeah. so literally, like, stop asking us about it. There's nothing yeah. we can do about it. Um, so hopefully, you know, and hopefully the content, if we don't give good stories, and you know, if, if our stories are not up to hack, then Tell people us. are going to stop. Mean, as well. Yeah, yeah. that's the thing. Just say to us, like, I want to pay for a subscription, but we can't figure out how to justify it, and we'll give you a list of stories that will yeah. see why... If you need to justify it to your boss or to your accountant's department, whatever. Absolutely. So those are our PR do's and don'ts, part three. Um, yeah, and just to wrap up, I probably came across a bit harsh sure. there. I mean, like, I've never been one of these reporters, and I've worked with a lot of them who've been pretty antagonistic towards PRs and will just literally put I love down Alex on Ospo- I, That's the one thing I miss most about Alex Ospovich working here. Yeah. Listening to him talk to a PR that just was pissing him off on the phone, I loved it. It was like it would make my week. Well, it's always funny to like watch, but oh, I yeah, mean, like I, I've never been that way. And like, I'd literally, if you want to ask about something rather than send me a stupid email, I'm going to ignore. Just call me up and ask me about it. Like I'm pretty, we can work with people. We're pretty relaxed and easygoing. Don't yeah. call me, call you. Call me. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I'm not going to bite anyone's head off um, or anything like that. So you know feel free to call um so you know we've got to now do the the our last one of uh, game last of thrones one. what the hell are we going to talk about from now on I, now we got to really just take that's what we got to have guests on in uh, september and beyond <laughs> because we're going to just run out of ideas here this is it. um i thought think? it was a really really disappointing finale um compared to the rest of the season and it not was a big fan of incest or what not a huge it's, fan uh, of incest no um okay and I didn't think the show was either, considering that most of the main plot points got set in motion by trying to hide incest, and now it's just cool. Yeah. Um, no, I thought um, all of the little moments we've been talking about, how everything's been sort of breakneck this season, going from action scene to action scene to action scene, it's like they stored them all up for the last hour and a half, where it's literally just people walking somewhere and talking, then walking somewhere else and talking, and then walking somewhere else and talking, then walking somewhere else to a ship and having sex with Iran. Naturally. Um, you know, I... I, I just didn't feel energized by it. It didn't feel like a Game of Thrones season finale to me. It felt yeah. like a filler episode from the middle of the season, saying everything up. Yeah. Um, I mean, Cersei, her reaction is just, I don't understand it. Like, 
the whole thing of, well they'll let them kill everyone in the north yeah but then they'll become zombies yeah yeah Right, but yeah, you know what I'm saying is that they'll all <laughs> they become zombies yeah, and... and they're all going to die. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and I felt that that was just put in there for Game of Thrones to say, hey, look, we've still got it. We can still be surprising and that yeah. kind of thing. And then Jamie, like, I mean, I know they've been building up to this big fight between Cersei and Jamie for a long time. But that, even that was a bit, like, extreme, kind of just like, unless she's getting crazy, I guess that's the kind of thing. She could but, become the Mad King, I guess. She could become the Mad King. Um, yeah, that weird thing with Tyrion, kind of like, ear to the door listening to Don and Johnny having sex at the end I was like I don't know where they're going with that like, I mean come on like what are you going to do it's yeah it's it, I mean yeah it was like I also like that the old three eye raven who knows all sees all <laughs> Jilly Gilly however you say her name was the one that came up with this annulment thing and uh, well, also, no so credit there also you gotta source no your so, you, know, you gotta credit your sources also Tali um, wasn't paying attention when you said that yeah. well, you literally just went yeah whatever bitch yeah. it's, you know, it's fine yeah. yeah did they actually did they ever connect that dot that yeah, yeah so it was just like he was. she was literally going oh look at this is funny they annulled the marriage between Rhaegar and uh, whatever like, face God, was be quiet Woman. Yeah, it's exactly what it was like. He was like, yeah, that's nice. And then he came back and he was like, I know something. I know something. And the three-eyed raven knows everything. He was like, wait, what? What? <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of an important thing to know there, three-eyed raven. Come on now. Yeah, come on. Um, yeah, and uh, Cersei, the whole problem with, I guess, this season was just that they had to kind of, okay, so this whole plot point of bringing the zombie to her she was going to have to then turn and then become a good guy. And then you don't have any real evil guys yeah. unless you want to consider the Night King to be evil. But that's just, that's not like human evil. That's just a different kind oh, of yeah, evil. That's just the kind of the, the over antagonist kind yeah, of exactly. ultimate evil type thing, right? Um, um, it's not relatable. I honestly thought, and I was really disappointed when it didn't happen, but I was on edge the entire time in that dragon pit. I thought they were going to do like a red wedding kind of thing where Cersei would literally just murder everybody. Murder everybody. Um, and then maybe one of them would survive or something and then go on to yeah. defeat the thing. I thought that was what it was going to be and I was building up to it thinking, oh, this is going to be exciting, it's going to be good. Yeah. And then they just kind of left and then Tyrion didn't even die. I thought he was definitely going to die. Mm-hmm. Um, and he didn't. I thought Jaime was definitely going to die and he didn't. Um, they, got, they gave you Littlefinger. That's the only person you got. Littlefinger, which was really cool actually. That was actually awesome. I didn't see that coming. It was um, a good scene. And, yeah, Lord Baelish. What? But you see, for <laughs> me... I would have thought it was cooler if they ended up trying to kill Arya, or either Arya or, um, yeah, or Sansa got Or Sansa got men's got and killed them both or whatever. And yeah. I'm like, now I'm in charge of Winterfell, fuck you, John. That's Something like that, that would, have been, uh, I would have been a bigger fan of that. You know, that would have been old school. That's the thing. That would have been George R.R. at his best in his yeah. old days. Not this uh, amped up power drink version of Game of Thrones. So. Yeah. And leaving the, well, I mean... We all knew that war thing was going to come. The second the dragon came, we knew it was going to happen. It just felt really anticlimactic. The whole thing just felt like it wasn't really a season finale. Like they kind of run the most of the relay before, and then by the end of it, they kind of gasp into the finish line, just going, oh, "Yeah, right, we've got no more money, guys." <laughs> <laughs> and with the dragon, so it does it breathe fire? Does it breathe fire? What's it breathing there? What's the blue what stuff? What's the blue stuff? It's ice? I don't know. It's I see it was just magic. It's magic. Yeah, I, I was literally thinking about that before the episode. I was thinking, is that dragon? That dragon's going to breathe blue fire, isn't it? It's going to be stupid. Yeah, it had to know it's going to be blue, blue fire. fire. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, it, lo and behold, it did. Yeah. Um, I think there's something like the last scene directly resembled some sort of fan art post that was made before the season as well. Yeah. Like the zombie dragon and like almost shot for shot remake of it. Um, which they've been doing a lot of actually weird nods and winks to the fans so the whole like when John called her Danny for no reason whatsoever. yeah exactly um, yeah it's just I feel like it's 
um, I, I'm not a big fan of all these columns saying it's lost its way and all the rest of it, but I really feel like it's the wheels have come off in the last couple of episodes and they're going to have to do really well next season to tie it all up. Next. I mean, yeah, the, the last ep- well, that's the unfortunate thing is once it comes down to just seven episodes in a season, mm-hmm. you know, the last episode really, I don't think that the last episode is ever really that great. It's usually just setting up the chess pieces to move forward, and yeah. so I understand that. But to so this one, it was just kind of like, I hated the episode before, so this episode was just like, you know, there were tense moments. It was good. It was fine. Yeah, I didn't, you know, it wasn't anything great, but it's like, all right, now it's going to be gone till 18 months or something like that. Whenever Isn't the next that long? One, it, yeah. I think it's a very ridiculous long time. And it's like, you know, okay, you know, I'm not, I'm not dying. It's not like the end of the last season when I was dying for the next episode to come. Yeah. I'll be excited when I come back, but... Nothing that really. Uh, I've that got a feeling that season six and season one are going to be regarded as the vintage seasons of Game of Thrones. I think. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. So uh, that's about it on that front. I guess quickly on uh, Mayweather McGregor. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, I think off. You know, a lot of people have talked about it already, but uh, it's, everybody walked away a winner. You know. Um, do you think so, they should have stopped the fight? Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, he was just taking clean shot after clean shot, eight-ounce gloves. It was it 12 shots in a row or something? Yeah, and, and his head snapping back. You know, you can always kind of tell these things like, yeah, I'm sure he could have survived it. But it's I've always, I've never been able to understand this. It, well, it is just this bloodthirst of people that, when they don't watch fights, they're like, oh, my God, that fight was stopped so early and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And then, obviously, hardcore boxing fans. I know hardcore boxing fans that, you know, or journalists that have covered fights that I've been at where a fighter was killed in the ring. And they'll still be like, oh my God, they stopped the fight too early. It's really hard for me to ever say somebody stopped the fight too early yeah. because, you know, ultimately I don't need, I've seen, I think it's three, separate, four separate occasions where a guy was killed or, a, and a couple other where a guy was just permanently just, um, so just, what? and, and uh, however the hell you'd say it, but just fucked up for the rest of his life. How about that? Uh, <laughs> um, and so I don't understand that. So, yeah, this, the fight should have definitely been stopped. Um, it was, you know, I basically thought it would go two rounds of Mayweather doing nothing, which he did, but then just start to pick it up, knock him out in the sixth round. Instead, he went three, four rounds of really kind of just feel him out, walking walking down. That's the other thing. Everybody's like, oh, Mayweather's got this great power. And everybody was saying, no, the delivery system in MMA of delivering a punch or a kick or something like that is far different because of the kicks. Mm-hmm than the delivery system of delivering a punch in a boxing ring. Like, everybody's like, oh, he landed that one huge uppercut. He just snapped, you know, Mayweather's head. Mayweather was walking straight forward simply because he knew that there was nothing that could hurt him. Yeah. Anytime McGregor would land, his arm would be fully extended and you lose all your power, all the power's gone. Or else then Mayweather would walk right at him just knowing that, you know, McGregor would be uh, just uh, too close and couldn't get off in that kind of short of a distance. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was... Uh, Everyone was happy as a pig and shit. I mean, they, I mean, Mayweather got $100 million purse. McGregor got $30 million, I think. Did it, well, that, those are minimums. So now once the pay-per-view buys, and it sounds like the pay-per-view buys, it, it takes a while for that to all work out. But yeah. it does sound like those are going to be some big, big numbers. Oh, it's yeah. um, I mean, it's uh, factors above what you ever read in MMA, right? So, you know, yeah. Five, well, so. yeah, I mean, you know, so there are some lesser fights, stuff like that. It should... It, it, it'll be interesting to see, does it surpass the all-time most uh, pay-per-view buys of, I think that was uh, Pacquiao Mayweather. Um, does it surpass that? We'll see. I think it could. I think it should. 
Um, but we'll see. Uh, but now the real fight, uh, Gennady Golovkin um, is going to be squaring off versus Canelo Alvarez. Hardcore fight fans are just, all right. It's like, okay, did you enjoy that as a fight? Did you, you know, did you average yeah. fan just, you know, somebody... your appetite kind of thing? Sort of. So next, uh, so not this weekend, but the weekend after that, there's going to be a great uh, double-headered uh, on HBO uh, with um, uh, Gonzalez, Chicolito uh, 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 Gonzalez, um, and Noya Inoue, Japanese guy, can't say his name correctly. They're fighting in separate fights, but those will be exciting fights, fun fights, and if they win, they'll fight each other. And next week is Japanese boxing. You don't see many, I guess. What do. Well, they're always small. Yeah, I mean, they, American television usually ignores anybody below featherweight. You right. know, so okay. about 124 pounds. Um, so yeah, uh, there's some big fights now coming up. So give it a chance. You know, if you liked it, that's all I'd say. If you liked watching that, you were entertained, get some friends together next time on. Uh, you know, I know yeah. these pay-per-views can be expensive. Get together. Everybody chips in a little bit. It's a fun little fight, you know, night. And uh, the, the Triple G Alvarez fight is a great big fight. So it's worthy of uh, the, the hype. I guess final question. Do you think McGregor will stay in boxing? Has he said he will? Or is he... I think that there's still more money for him. Than, like, you get to control your whole destiny. UFC controls your destiny in the UFC. Then yeah. They run, like, the NFL, like the NBA. You know, this is who you're going to fight next. This You'll is, sign to the league you know, kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... He can go now and either fight Pauli Malnagy, which, you know, they kind of already have set up. If he really thought that he was getting the best of him in sparring, you know, he can now uh, do that. Um, it'll be interesting. Some people are like, oh, he could become a huge boxing star. He did well against Mayweather simply because Mayweather just allowed him. Mayweather didn't throw any punches the first couple rounds. Not like he was any confused. Mayweather just had a plan. It's like, I'm going to wear you out and I'm going to knock you out late. That's exactly what he did. Right. Um, so can Mayweather really box? You know, I, if they want to put him in against a guy that's like ten and three, like a build up his career properly in boxing, I'd be all for it. You know, put him on, like I said, put him on a Michael Conlon, you know, card, you know, against an easy fight. Let him build himself, grow. Yeah, I'd be interested to watch it. Um, I think he, there's a lot more money for him to make in boxing than there is in MMA. And if he goes and loses his next fight in boxing. MMA will still be available to you with the excuse of boxing is a different sport than MMA. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, cool. all right. Well, uh, uh, just, for, just for a final point, actually, um, in case anybody has made it this far through the podcast after mm-hmm. slagging you off, public relations people, <laughs> hi. Um, I'm getting to the point now where I'm starting to put my uh, my calendar together for Cybos, uh, which is in Toronto, uh, mid-October. So if uh, you have any people you think I should meet, um, feel free to reach out, get in touch. Um, we'll try and put something together. Yeah, yeah, Toronto. And what month is it? October. Toronto in October. It's gonna be cold, nice. chilly. Oh. Yeah, it'll probably be pretty chilly. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. yeah. It's gonna be a yeah. sharp adjustment from uh, <laughs> sultry New York and uh, yeah, sultry. Yeah, James has been complaining about the weather. I'm like, this is the nicest summer we've ever had. It's been cool. I'm from England, man. <laughs> <laughs> if it's not drizzling, it's grey. That's what it's like. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Um, we'll be back to our regular scheduled program um, next week. And uh, like I said, uh, we hope you enjoyed our tips and pointers. And if you have any for us, feel free to let us know. Okay. Have a good day, guys. Have a good day.